Hey, yo, Black, it's time. Word. Word, it's timing. It's time, man. Alright, begin. Yeah. Straight out the fucking dungeons of rap. Where fake niggas don't make it back. I don't know how to start this. Rappers are monkey flipping with the funky rhythm. I be kicking, musician, inflicting composition of pain. I'm like Scarface sniffing cocaine, holding an M16. See with the pen, I'm extreme. Yo, 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 yo! Welcome, welcome back to Uncultured Bites Podcast. Yo, listen, actually, this is gonna be a vignette. I haven't done one of these actually. I haven't done one of these in a while, especially haven't done it in season two. Um, if you're turning into this podcast for the first time. Um, welcome if you have, have if you're a returning listener, welcome back, welcome back. And if you guys know how vignettes go, you like how I like to roll. Uh, I like to keep the vibe going with music playing in the background. Keep it short and sweet. Uh, these podcasts don't last long, so we like to get right into it. Um, I like to warn you, this is an Ozarks vignette podcast. So that means if you have not watched uh, the entirety of season four, please, please, please do not listen to this podcast because there's a lot of spoilers involved. Um, of course, this being a vignette, that means this is not a normal podcast, and uh, there will be a regular scheduled podcast on Tuesday. We're going to be talking about Supreme Court, incredible panel, talking about a panel full of women, and we just get the perspective on everything, and uh, it's just exciting and, and you know, intuitive, intellectual, high-level conversation um, that I'm really excited for y'all to check out, so please check out that one out. Also, Kendrick Lamar dropping, so you know we're going to do a podcast on that. I've been excited for that album. Uh, this is going to be a double album, you know, May 13th, so we'll see what that's going to bring. I'm expecting some great things at that album, so we're going to do a pod on that. And then I got a special surprise for y'all coming up at the um, end of this month. Um, incredible pod that I don't want to spoil it, um, but, you know, I told some close friends already what that pod's going to be, and, you know, they're excited. I'm excited, so um, big, big pod coming up at the end of this month, so please, please, please uh, stay tuned for that. Anyway, so, yeah. Once again, do not listen to this podcast if you have not finished season four. All right. Come back after you're done. All right. All right. So with that being said, let's get right into it. So how did a a show about white rednecks and a white uh, white bread family uh, from Chicago and white rednecks from, uh, you know, the Ozarks of southern Missouri become just this. You know, culture embedded, you know, hip hop influenced, um, just a entirety thing that really just gripped um, uh, black culture. And really, you see it up, all up and down the timeline. It's just something that is just it's going to be a show that people are going to talk about for years to come. Um, and it's fascinating as much as this show really, uh, you know, really embedded within black DNA, black culture, what viewer watching DNA. Uh, there wasn't any representation of us in this show, which I'm not complaining about, right? Because I mean, listen, it's that's nothing normal, number one. But um, I just think it's even more fascinating that how did the show that really didn't have any of us represented, as far as in cast, become such an embedded show as far as hip hop culture and just culture in general. And I want to say it's really based on the best character in the show, um, you know. Uh, of course, I'm talking about Ruth Langmore. Um, I know Marty Bird was the lead of the show, uh, and this was from his POV, my, um, you know, mostly. But Ruth, I believe, was the heart and soul of this show. And in a sense, this is why this show became such 
um, an engulfing show, especially within you know, you know black people. We just love this show. Um, but you know, before we get into like the characters and everything like that, um, when we first start the season four in general, uh, we see that the birds family driving down a road and a car gets into a crash. Now, I think this is an allegory for a larger metaphor having. Um, happening throughout the show and we'll get into that but i also think it's a tip of the cap to uh breaking bad and if everybody uh remembers breaking bad they start the show with walt um you know at the end you know standing in front of a house with a gun you know spoiler alert if you haven't seen the show it's been off for like 12 years but um and you know it's it starts off season five at the end of season five and then it kind of builds up throughout the entire season how we got to that point so i think it's a kind of a tip of cap to the uh, greatest show I always call it the greatest show uh, Greatest show ending in television history um, And you know Obviously Breaking Bad is one of the best shows ever But I think Breaking Bad hit that thing Where it's, it's hard to debate If any show has ever Ended better And um, It just stuck the landing throughout And I think Ozarks did that With the intention of trying to Meet that level I don't think they did and I'm not saying I hate it. I just want to put that caveat there. I don't think that I didn't hate the ending. Um, I wanted it to be somewhere else. Uh, I wanted the ending to go somewhere else, rather. And I don't, uh, but I don't have any complaints. You know, it ain't like no ga- Game of Thrones where I, you know, I, I hated season eight. That was just like they yada yada it. Um, but you know, I do have some com- you know some criticisms on this show. So let's get right into it. So let's start with our favorite character. Uh, I mentioned Ruth, and you know when we find Ruth. She's um, grieving the death of her cousin slash best friend Wyatt, who's really like a brother to her in the show. Um, despite you know, relate she's a, his her cousin. She's her he's her cousin, but um, you know, it's really her brother slash best friend. And obviously, Wyatt was killed at the end of beginning of season four. I mean, the end of season four and um, the first half of it, rather, uh, along with. Um, you know, Darlene Snell, his uh, boo that he married, um, and, you know, by hobby. And so Ruth is really dealing with the, just the grief of losing, losing someone, you know, that was really a big part of her. Now, I, I, I find Ruth's character um, fascinating. And I know I said in the beginning of this podcast, we're going to be playing songs playing this entire album throughout but i think it's important to play this clip um in the beginning of season uh season four and really to highlight what i think the characterization of ruth is so just bear with me i'm good uh sorry i i I just wanted to say i really love your shit (laughs) i appreciate you thank you anyway (laughs) what you bumping Oh, uh, nothing. Just stuck in the past. There was a snitch on the block getting niggas not. So hold your stash to the coke price drop. I know this crackhead who said she got a smoke nice rock. And if it always feels to me like he hates it and misses it all at once. And he's only fucking 20. You know, when I listen to that record, his projects are in Queens and you can kind of see Manhattan. 
And I've always thought it was so hopeful and fucking cruel at the same time. You ever wonder if he'd trade that record if it meant not having to go through all that shit? If you gotta ask a question, you should take it easy on the coffee. Me? Uh, I never sleep. Why not? You know. Yo, so honestly, I think that was probably, you know, the. If not the best show Best scene in that entire show I mean entire like uh, Second half of season four And not because of anything significant But I really think it Not only laid out Ruth's entirety Of her Characterization But I think it also laid the foundation Of what the show is about Especially this this part of season seven Let me break that down If you listen to it, you watch it um, Again, anybody who watches television shows And especially um, showrunners and writers Especially shows that have a limited time They're not trying They have very limited real estate on this And so the I always believe that every line Or every particular instance Means something Right and so You know what did Ruth say um, You know stuck in the past Which is really the entire characterization Of Ruth's entire being it's, You know especially the, how we find her um, Throughout the majority of the show um, despite the fact having incredible success and in making a lot of money um, running a criminal enterprise both under Marty Bird and Darlene, uh, what does she do? She still stays on a property that clearly she can afford to do better in, but she's stuck on this particular property that she, you know, really, really refuses to move on from. And Ruth's entire characterization throughout the entire show is she's always listening to old school hip hop. It's fascinating. Like she's she she very rarely listens to, um, you know, uh, uh, anything current. Uh, and the one the one time she did listen to something current was uh, "Run the Jewels," and that's why it's funny that it was really uh, cool to have uh, Killer Mike on that scene because it season uh, seven ended with "Run the Jewels" um, walking in the snow. And so, you know, if you guys remember that. So it's actually pretty fascinating that the song... And the, the best thing about, um, again, kind of deviating a little bit, uh, the Ozarks is that they're, they had a very, very keen hip-hop, um, uh, I guess, DNA in the show. And it was be primarily because of, you know, uh, Ruth, um, who is a clear and identifiable hip-hop fan. But a lot of her hip-hop is rooted in the past. Just like her And she makes a statement Actually in the particular One of the seasons That you know All that all that newer shit is stupid You know So she doesn't like moving on She does She's always looking back in the past And so When Killer Mike says That statement That you know it, It's uh, Oh excuse me She says stuck in the past And Killer Mike She's trying to rationalize About that song New York State of Mind And she talks about It's really just a song that um, it fascinates her because it's like he almost—he's thankful. She's—he's—he's he's rationalized that that Nas is thankful for experiences, but he hates it at the same fucking time. And that's really the embodiment of Ruth, right? She's thankful for her experiences. It's been a hard life, 
but she's also she's stuck and she kind of she's miserable about it. And then what does Killer Mike say? You know, Queens is looking at Manhattan and it's almost like this cruel thing. And what is Ruth? She lives on a bank of a lake um, that has a great view. And it's like she's stuck in, you know, the equivalent of that queen of Queens. And yet she has access to a better world. Yet she really cannot physically move on, you know. And so it's a cruel reminder of not only her past, but what's in front of her. And I think finally this season was the first time you saw Ruth finally wanting to move on and move forward, which is the growth of her character. Um, and, you know, that episode is actually called Sleep, Sleep is a Cousin of Death. And, you know, obviously um, Killer Mike and Ruth make that assessment like, you know, you got to you know, you got to lay off the coffee. And she says, you know why? And obviously because Nas has that line in there, like, I never sleep because sleep is a cousin of death. Which I will say that actually, that line had a chokehold on me for decades. Because I think that's also one of the reasons why I, when I listened to that, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. I don't sleep very often. Um, now just my, my biorhythm, my DNA. But I rarely really sleep. And because it just, it's really just, it was such an incredible line. But I really do think that, again, that's an allegory to the entire season of sleeping. Because um, if you're falling, falling asleep, it's a cousin of death. Now, how I'm going to bring it back to, I mentioned the car ride. Um, and we'll get back to Ruth in a moment. But uh, Marty was asleep all season. He really was. And because he was sleeping, he let a lot of things slide, which is, what I think, my biggest problem with Marty um, this season. And... You know, once you realize what happened on that car ride, it got, it got in a crash because what? Marty took his eyes off the road. Boom. So we'll get back to that in a second. Um, but Ruth, going back to Ruth here, like her growth as a character was really fascinating because she went from, as you, Ruth is always an interesting character because she was always smarter than everybody. She was really, really just calculated. Even when you, we, we first find her, she's not like, the other Langmores who were so quick to try to steal from Marty, like no, or try to even kill Marty. She actually was the one who saved Marty's life from when her father and her uncle were trying to kill Marty, um, because she always saw the bigger picture. And I think that's what kind of bothered me with the characterization of Ruth this season is that they made her super emotional as, as and not calculated. Um, and I get that's how I guess people grieve and people grieve and they're acting outside of themselves. But I felt like it was not the proper um, characterization of just what I think Ruth really was. Uh, as somebody who really just, you know, looked at things from a bigger picture and not just reacted all the time. Um, but this season, they made her more reactive as opposed to just calculated. Um, killing of Hobby, super reactive. Um, of course, she wanted to kill Marty and Wendy. That's why she was following them. And she had that fever dream of, you know, actually murdering them. Um, you know, who doesn't want to move, murder their boss or their rival, right? And so, uh, I don't, by the way. Don't take that seriously. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, she had that fever dream of wanting to uh, murder, you know, uh, Marty and Wendy. But she actually went ahead and mur murdered Javi. And she had to know, the roof in the past had to know that that was going to come back and get her. And so I just thought that was really interesting. And I just wanted to see where they're going to take that. But throughout the entirety of the last half of season seven, 
she always was acting as reactive and it didn't seem to really have a focus on the plan outside of the fact that she wanted to be clean the first clean Langmore in like four decades um which is admirable you know and i think it goes to the thing where she was finally willing to let go of her past and move look forward and she was hopeful and i think that was a growth where i did appreciate the season that she was a hopeful this particular season as far as looking forward and um but at the same time she was also making decisions that i didn't understand uh even when she went to when marty and right into marty but Marty went to her, I need to launder this one more time. And she operates like, well, you got to figure it out. Knowing that Marty's dealing with the the mob and everything that goes along with it, and even the government, she understands his situation, and yet she's like, I can't help you. Um, making Marty's life a little bit more complicated and making, um, possibly making her life a little more complicated. Now, you know, I just, I didn't understand it. Because again, Ruth always had a bigger eye on the situation, even sometimes bigger than Marty. And that was what I think really I think the thing that bothered me Even to her, you know, again, spoiler alert, she dies um, I just didn't understand even her walking up to the car Like, that didn't make any sense to me You know, Ruth, someone who's as they painted as hopeful And walking into her future is not going to walk into getting shot Especially empty-handed She's not she's going to have a gun or something And in her walking up to the car you know, I've heard seen people, I heard people say, oh, this is her acceptance of the end because she was so miserable and so tired without Wyatt. But at the same time, why would you counterbalance that with having someone build a friggin' house and talking about the future and talking about letting go of the past and talking about being the first fr uh, free and clear Langmore and at the same time someone who's tired of life and ready to kind of let end it all and just accepting her end. I didn't really think that was really the best way and I didn't appreciate that and... Um, I think that's where my disappointment, you know, in that ending goes as far as her death is concerned. Um, so that's there. There's that. Uh, moving right into Marty again, we got to move it quickly along. Again, it wasn't a fan of like what they did with Marty. Marty was always a guy who was the, you know, calculated right behind Ruth, if not more than, but he was always calculated. And Marty was always someone who kept his head. And never took his never took his eyes off the target, and so this season, especially the second half of season four, you know he took his eye off the target a lot, and he was manipulated and moved into different directions and operating outside himself, which was really weird to see because they built up this characterization of Marty from the beginning, and then, you know, towards the end, here's this guy who was letting Wendy run him. Wendy was always a bulldozer, was always someone that was hard to really like navigate around. But Marty never, never delineated from his goals. And he was always quick and always had a plan B or a plan C or just was, was able to outthink a situation. But this season, it just seemed like he was exasperated and at his wit's end. And I guess that's what happened um, when dealing with everything he's dealt with the, for the last four years that. I guess he would just, it showed a human moment of, and I'm just trying to figure that out because I'm having free th range thought here, but just having a free, uh, uh, just, you get tired after a while and it's like, you just kind of start letting shit just slide because you're tired. And you know what? It's like, yeah, shit that I didn't let slide in the past, I'm letting slide now because I'm exhausted because I always have to be on point. And I get, guess that's what they were trying to do. Um, but again, you know, Marty um, letting himself being manipulated by Camilla into thinking that someone else 
was uh, was the snitch, uh, or, or was the one that was trying to kill, you know, uh, 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 Navarro. It was like anybody watching it was like, clearly Marty, she's the she's the reason why. Why would somebody come up to you and tell you all this information? What is her objective? Marty always tried to figure out what somebody else's objective was. This one, he was easily walked into the uh, did a Black Widow of Camilla and allowed her allowed her to manipulate him early on um, into killing an innocent man. That wasn't the Marty from season one through th- um, one through three. That that Marty would have caught on before when Camilla approached him. Um, so that was a, another thing. That was the kind of thing I just didn't understand. And this goes into the fact of like where, again, Marty not focusing and not keeping his eye on who he was or what he was about or the eye on the prize is where it, when the family crashes and burns, lit, figuratively, literally, is when he takes his eye off the road. He's, he's, fi- he's not focusing. He's, he's worried about something else. He move, moves his eye onto his family, onto another object, and they crash. And I think the allegory of that crash, obviously, was that, you know, through all it all, it's a cra- they, they go through a turmoil of crashing and everything like that. But they're going to walk away pretty much unscathed, bru- um, bruised, bumped up, you know, and a little bit shaken. But they're going to walk away from this particular um, incident. And I think that was what the idea of that show and how they start off like, do they die? We, we said, when they first start off the season, like, do they die on this heart car crash? No, they don't. And they inexplicably walk away from such a situation that nobody's supposed to walk away from. A car flipping over four times, nobody's supposed to walk away from that. Being in bed with the with the you know with the um, the government and the cartel and all the situations they've dealt with with crooked FBI agents and um, and and, and uh, redneck uh, drug kingpin and king queens and all that you know uh, you know all that and yet they've they've always walked away. And so they, they continue to walk away from situations that they're not supposed to walk away from. And I think that was what the, the car crash represented. A little bit on the nose, um, but I understood what the, what the writers were trying to do on that one. But again, I, I do think that it was Marty who let his family down a lot this season. And even to the point where at the end of season uh, four, when she, Camila finds out that it was Ruth who killed Javi... I expected Marty to do the Marty thing and look Camille in the eye as he's always done and let Camille know like, yeah, you might want to kill uh, Ruth. But here's why that's not going to happen, because we need her to run the money. You just made a government a deal with the government who you are now tied into. You made a deal with the devil. And so you may hate Ruth and you may have that time where you can want to kill her. And maybe that during, during you can kill her in the future. But you're not going to do that right now. And that's what Marty would have done season one through three. He would have looked her in the eye and made, gave her the and made her realize that what she was really doing, and that's what actually made you know um, at, uh, Navarro and as if you remember um, uh, Felix, uh, you know who was the uh, um, uh, you know um, excuse me uh, Navarro and uh, um, the the lieutenant uh, <laughs> who was the who started off. Um, Getting Marty into this particular uh, um, scenario, that's what really started off with uh, Marty getting gaining their respect because he was able to like look people in the eye and even keep his cool rather and take a situation and turn it on his head. You know that was the, that was his gift, and I just didn't see that this year with this past part with with um, 
with Marty. So that was my that was my my problem right there. Um, he allowed himself to get manipulated by Wendy, and let's get into Wendy. Wendy's entirety of her of her being was kind of like I think if fans wanted anybody to die, it was going to be Wendy, right? Because she was just the worst, um, and she just was so self centered and. She didn't think about anything except for Wendy. And I just, I didn't understand it, right? I mean, I know we keep, I said we're going on to Wendy, but Marty, went, Marty did not care about Wendy season one through three. But all of a sudden now, he's finding himself like, I can't, you know, I'm not going to walk away from you. You know, and it's like, it was just a, a turn of character. And I just was like, it was really, really weird how... You know, I, I just, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. And I didn't understand how Wendy went into this thing where she became the center of the brain of the, of the thinking. Like she was the one controlling everything in the family to the point where even decisions where she recommended Camilla to be, to run the entire cartel, not thinking that through, right? Just kind of because she want, didn't want Marty to go back down there without consulting Marty. And it was just weird, you know, um, I mean, but I, I don't hate Wendy's characterization. You know, it just even the fact of her going to checking herself into facility, you know, with no real plan, just that she was trying to garner some sympathy from her children. I just was like, okay, you know, I don't, I don't really know what the point of this is. I thought there was a bigger play here, not just her sitting there until her children can actually um, come see her, and then she can tell them how much she needs them in her life and how much they mean to her. Okay. I mean, I, I guess, uh, but whatever, you know, moving forward, you know, she she gets uh, Shaw to, again, come back into the deal and she gets the 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 foundation, which she always wanted um, and makes her politically and socially elite and bulletproof, you know, not just in the Midwest, but around the country. And they become one of the you know one of the most powerful families in the country and so this is always her game especially in politics she always wanted that she never wanted the drug life and marty didn't really care for the politics either but he again he he understood that was a way out but again i just don't understand i didn't understand like how they got to where they got to and then they still are now going to have to be still tied into the ozarks because again camilla killed ruth so i don't know that was kind of more of my thing was with uh with wendy um, you know, Charlotte and, um, Jonah, I mean, Charlotte really was this, this character who she, I, I, I didn't really know how to read Charlotte this year. Um, and one part she was, one part she was like, I'm totally down for what's going on with my family and I'm my family and my parents and I'm down and I just want to be involved. And then all of a sudden she's kind of like, yeah, I kind of want to move with Jonah could get out of here. And it's kind of like, yeah, I get it. She wanted to get out of here, but it's like. She's moving against the family. It was always like she was moving with the family while Jonah was moving in opposite direction. And then it was all of a sudden, now I'm moving with Jonah. I'm going where, jo- where Jonah's going. I'm in agreement with him. And that was kind of a weird turn a little bit, but it wasn't so noticeable where I was like, ah, okay. Um, Jonah's character was fascinating throughout, especially through season uh, end of season three, definitely, and four, where he was really just petulant and... Um, you know, rebelling against his parents, especially his mother, um, because she felt like he felt like she was trying to, you know, she what she did, to, you know, his uncle who 
really, really connected with him and grieving the fact that his uncle um, was dead and, he, and attributing that to his his mother's actions. Um, so, you know, obviously going to work for the snails and laundering money and then getting connected to Ruth to where he she became, he confided in her and, um, you know, so I think that was the character. The only thing I didn't like about Jonah's character was the end of where they had him kill. Um, I just didn't. I I've heard one theory that it was Jonah's final. He was the final one to finally do the buy-in of like this is the life, but I I didn't like that ending, and I'll I'll get to that in a moment. But yeah, so that's where I, I felt where I wasn't really really too much of a fan of of where Jonah ended up as a character. Um, the thing I didn't understand with the with the birds and in this storyline with the father is like why didn't they just tell the damn father or tell the kids that yeah he was beating them he beating the kids and he especially beat your mother up and he was a drunk like you don't want them to go with this man but yet you're unwilling to tell them the truth which is really really weird like you expl- you exploited them to everything else except the truth about what they're getting to walk into like what are you protecting them from at that point but you want them to still stay with you. And I just didn't know why they didn't really, even to the point where Marty's like, you don't know him. Like, yeah, once you go ahead and tell them that he's a freaking, uh, he beats on y'all. He's going to, once he gets drunk and mad, he's going to beat on y'all. Ask him that. Be, tell him to have the real conversation. I'm moving in with the man I don't know anything about. You know, and I just didn't understand, again, that's Marty not taking his, taking his eye off the road. Like, I don't understand what was going on with that. Wendy is always operating with her on her own notes and operating our own you know causeway and own road and doing whatever but i expected marty at least when push comes to shove to kind of you know draw them back in especially his you know charlotte and joan and be like hey this is the deal your your grandfather's fucking crazy okay so get it together and get back in the house all right but he never did that he was still allowing them again. He was allowing everybody to make their own decisions and run roughshod. And it was just like, I guess. Um, so you know, that was my, I guess, my problem um, with that whole scenario. Um, I don't know if I really was feeling the fact of them just kind of moving, you know, Navarro out and putting Camilla in. And then Wendy saying, we can control Camilla. I'm like, Camila's crazier than Navarro. Like Navarro was at least level-headed, and you knew where his motivations were, and you can talk him down. I don't know where Wendy got that she can control Camila. And again, that was kind of the weird thing. I still, I still don't understand it. How did she think she could control Camila? What gave her that? Because she's a woman, a woman. I didn't understand it. I really didn't, and I was really, really trying to figure out how they made that connection and where was that coming from outside of Wendy just being. You know, maybe it was her ego and her narcissism that thought she can control everything. And that's probably what where we're at with it. Um, it was her narcissism and ego thinking that you can control everything and including this wildfire such as Camila. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Just that just hit me just now. Um, but, you know, speaking of Camila, like I. Again. You know, she she kills off. Ruth With the understanding that somebody else is going to have to run this casino And that she had She needs somebody to run the casino in order to clean the money And I don't know what she's Expecting of Marty to, to do Because Marty's not staying there 
and he's already they've already you know made the thing that we're moving to Chicago. So I was I just didn't understand like what was happening with that particular you know basis of thinking. Um, so there's that. So anyway, um, let's just go ahead and like like close the door on this one and say what my thoughts are and why it's season. I didn't really I really wasn't that big a fan of the ending uh, because I really was hoping that that they the birds were you know that detective who was super fucking annoying throughout I, he was just annoying again and if that was if they were trying to make him the I guess the audience avatar of trying to you know the the person who was trying to figure out like the birds and you know wanting them to to pay like I just understand it. Him and then him, lightweight flirting with the with the black FBI agent, and I just was like, I don't understand like this storyline and like what's the point of it. it? It felt very pointless to the point where, you know, no pun intended, um, that when they finally did the reveal that he got the urn that was in a cookie jar that looked like a fucking devil, but whatever. That's just but anyway, it's a goat, and so, um. Had you know his, the brother's ashes, and he was like, "I'm gonna bring you down," you know, because of DNA and all this other stuff. And so you don't get to win. And I was like, "Cause that's not the way this country worked." I'm like, "What? Like that's exactly the way this fucking country works. Like people like the birds absolutely, you know, win." I, I was like, "I didn't under, understand that speech. Like that's not the way this world works." I'm like, "Yeah, bro. Like what do you? Even, the fact that you are, <laughs> like it was like." The fact that you were a police officer that that got back onto the force despite being a you know stealing evidence and snorting that evidence up your nose and you're back on the force as a detective shows you that's exactly the work the way it works so the way the world works so you know it was strangely weird like the call was coming from inside the house like the the pot calling the kettle black like I don't understand what that particular scene was about and it was really really weird to just see that executed in the way it was. And I was like, okay, as it was going along, I was like, all right, here's where the birds are going to really flex themselves. And no, they were begging this lowly detective not to throw it all, not to you know destroy them, which is weird because I'm like, you're literally protected by the FBI, FBI, you're literally in bed with the Mexican cartel, and you are literally one of the most politically protected, uh, protected families in the fucking country. What do you think of an officer with your brother's DNA in an urn is going to do to you? I was expecting them to kind of deliver that and kind of walk away. Like, yeah, do what you, do your worst. That There's nothing that's going to come out of that. But, you know, good luck with that. Because that would have shown you exactly where they were and what they knew they were. But the fact they were begging this man not to throw it all away for that or not to like throw And they were begging, oh, we can pay you, we can pay. He's not a factor. And anybody in your position would know that he's not a, he's a non-factor. There's no evidence that you killed your brother. You know? And even if they was get to that point, you're in bed with the fucking government. They're going to get that thrown out. It's never going to trial. I'm sorry. So I I didn't understand again this thing. I didn't buy it. I wasn't buying it. I didn't I wasn't invested in that that you know, scene, that particular scene because I was like, no, nah, this is whack. And so, you know, and then obviously they had Jonah pull the trigger, which was weird. I always thought it would be Charlotte. And again, somebody said, "Well, of course, if we would inspect any of the kids, it would be it would be Charlotte." That's why they made Jonah, and it was Jonah's final final move into being 
you know, and a, a criminal bird. And so, um, I think that's where they ended. But I say all that to say, I know I was highly critical. Um, I still, you know, think it was an incredible series. I, I did like season seven. Um, I, did I think they stuck the landing? Not necessarily, but that's just my opinion. I know I'm probably in the minority with this one. Uh, but at any rate, man. So anyway, uh, that's the vignette, man. And, um, it's actually, you know, we're going to end on, you know, my favorite, favorite Nas song. Um, it ain't hard to tell, uh, which is the last track on the hip hop Bible, which is Illmatic. And, um, I really, really hope that y'all enjoyed this vignette. Uh, you know, and it ain't hard to tell that I loved, loved, loved Ozarks and I was, I was bought in. So, um, you know, with that being said, man, uh, we're going to write out on this song and I, I hope I said all that to say that I reserve the right to play this song again on future podcasts should the opportunity present itself. So with that being said, we're going to write out and, uh, be sure to tune into that podcast on Tuesday. We out. Half man, half amazing Cause in my physical I can't express through song Delete stress like Motrin Then extend strong I drink my wet with Medusa Give a shotguns in hell From the split that I lived in in hell It ain't hard to tell